This is Hustle and Heels, the podcast of our little Venice. We are your hosts, Adriana Romero and Ilia Francis. And each episode provides simple but real life experience and tips from two imperfect moms trying to balance it all that will take you to the next level in life and business. You can find the podcast in iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and also available on our website, www.ourlittlevenice.com. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Ladies, welcome uh, Helen and Jackie, who are the founders of Two Girls and a Laptop. So welcome, ladies, formally to the podcast. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thanks for having us. Yes. So I'm Helen, just in case. And I'm Jackie. <laughs> for any of your followers. And we're in Brisbane, Australia. That is so awesome. It's, it's, uh, it always blows my mind. This is the second interview we do with Australia, and it blows my mind that you guys are just starting our, your day and we're just finishing it. And it's so exciting that we're able to connect, right? I, I love these wonders of today's world. So to kick us off, you know, tell us about yourselves and two girls and a laptop. Why did you start it? And, um, you know, what was the motivation behind it? Sure. Um, well, <laughs> we have worked together um, for over 15 years now, probably even longer. Longer, over 18 years. In 2001, yeah. which makes us sound really old. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we obviously grew in our own careers through um, our roles in a corporate world over here in Australia. Um, and became quite friendly off the back of our professional careers as well as... Helen was my boss to start with, actually. Oh, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> she recruited me and then, yeah, yeah over time, every, you know, lots of change, lots yeah. of different roles within that time. <laughs> but essentially we worked in sales and marketing for um, one of the biggest telcos um, in Australia. Um, so we were managing the retail division, dealing with small business owners and franchisees, um, as well as um, having the benefits of working for the corporate giant, um, you know, and what comes with that, I guess, is the experience we learned from a marketing perspective, um, as all sorts of things. So stock training, yeah. merchandise, retailing, wow, yeah. and also the rigor that you have to have when you work for a you know large corporate entity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're going to get funding, you have to prepare documentation internally so you have all that rigour around the really sort of more staunch business practices but then you get to work with the small business owner yeah. that has a retail store and what they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. So yeah. had a nice breadth of experience yeah. there. So we actually always thought we would mm -hmm. work together and even when we had our corporate jobs, I remember one day we talked about a business opportunity which came and went but we wrote down a list of all of our... Um, attributes and who would do what yeah. at that time. Well, we thought each other's strengths and weaknesses were. So that was quite some time ago before yeah. Two Girls on a Laptop Evolved. But um, like everything, times changed. Um, Jackie left and went on a sabbatical overseas. Um, and I left and I ended up having my little boy, who's now seven. Um, and not before, but she became a yoga instructor. I oh, yeah. became <laughs> a yoga instructor. had a big change. Um, and, you know, obviously remained friends throughout our lives. And then um, when Jackie moved back to Australia, she'd had a couple of kids. <laughs> um, I had mine and I was doing some freelance work myself um, in social media management. And in the clients that I was dealing with, I definitely found an opportunity for what we do now in that quite a lot of small business entrepreneurs, particularly women in small business who have maybe left, similar to us, a career 
had some children and come back in um, to the workforce and wanted to start something off themselves, had a real passion for what their product or the service was, um, but not necessarily the rigour and the experience around running a business. Um, so when I was doing this social media management, I would ask for some of their business goals or some of the direction that they had on their marketing goals and I'd be dealt or, you know, like met with blank faces. So there was a real gap in the business planning side of things, um, of which I sort of spoke to Jackie regularly about mm. and said, I just think there's a real market for us here to really support these women, um, you know, and, and that's essentially where the idea yeah. came from. So, Because social media managers were dime a dozen as well. Yeah. Um, and so many business owners kind of had the probably the, the opinion that having a, market, like having a social media account is a marketing plan. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> You're impressed. yeah it's, it's impressive what you say, because a lot of people that we talk to is the same thing. You ask them, you know, what is the cost of your soul goods? And they don't know it. Or how much are you investing in your social media? They're like, um, I have to add that up. They really don't know. Yeah. No, exactly. It's a huge time. Yeah. So yeah, like Helen said, we just saw this opportunity to really step in and offer we sort of had a little bit of a um identity crisis because we didn't really want to call ourselves business coaches <laughs> which is what we are um but we sort of felt that it was we had i don't know why but we had this i think we had a negative wishy-washy kind of thing yeah. we, we were very um strategic we're very to-do list driven we're very like outcomes focused and so we felt that we really wanted to establish ourselves as like this business strategy mm -hmm. and then you sort of once you've got your business strategy plan then you can move into the sales and marketing piece and we really feel like you can't jump into coaching a regular coaching relationship until you have those two key pillars in place so i think we've just over time had to really um evolve on how we get that we've conveyed that to our audience yeah yeah so we are business coaches but we sort of would prefer people to have a plan before they start. Mm -hmm. It's exactly. a bit like putting it up for the horse. <clears throat> yeah, so that's us. Wow, that is that is that is super good, and it's super. I love it that you guys share with us that whole kind of business. You know, the identity and what happened because it's something that Ily and I have experienced as well. And after you know, it's funny how after many iterations, it took. Uh, the LinkedIn course and it took somebody else to come and tell us, Hey, this is what you guys should do. And we're like, yeah, they're right. Like <laughs> right. It in front of you all the time. And then suddenly it's like, yeah, why didn't we see this before? Why were we overthinking? Exactly. Exactly. We have, we have, uh, we tailor our, you know, our content and material. And sometimes we do it in a very poorly way, which, you know, is, is obviously it's a part of the iteration process when we realize that, yes, we have a, a, an audience to, that, that we love and it is in the immigrant woman, just like we were, we were immigrants to Canada, uh, Venezuelans, born Venezuelans and now Canadians. But we know the struggles that a woman has, especially a woman who, who goes to a different country, a different culture, and starts from zero. So uh -huh. we felt, we felt like quite hard for that woman and we wanted to help. We have friends who've been uh, business owners and their businesses have been really small that mm -hmm. they were stuck. They didn't know what to do. They had this idea, uh, but they felt afraid or they have a great professional career, but they didn't know how to translate it and mm -hmm. make it and evolve into the Canadian market. So 
we we went through that we uh, successfully are right now in a position where we can actually tell these women you know what we do and what we are all about but yes initially we also struggled with business planning with with finding a target persona uh we weren't sure we were we want everybody but actually yeah. when we talk about everybody nobody comes so it's yeah a series of iterations right yeah <laughs> it's a scary imagination down or you know getting really intimate with your ideal client can be a little bit scary for some business owners because they feel like they're going to actually turn away money at the end of the day they feel like yeah. they're going to turn business away but it, it never really plays out that way you know yeah. love the whole if you try to talk to everybody you end up talking to nobody message definitely and That's yeah right. we just, unfortunately we're just we're small business and we can't we don't have the budgets to just broadcast to every yeah. you know Uber <laughs> or Coca-Cola you know we really you know we have an ideal client and her name's Catherine and she's a semi-fictitious person but in a lot of ways she was us mm -hmm. yeah. skill set, you know so she was a mum who used to have a corporate career that got into a business and she wanted to scale but she didn't really have that rigor or understanding and um yeah so we, have, we now actually have Polly and we have Catherine and Polly, so we have two ideal clients now, but that evolved over time. And yeah, but we started with Catherine. That <laughs> is so good. Ellie and I had six when we started. So that, that tells you how, you know, how crazy we were because as Ilya said, we wanted to, we want to help everybody. And yeah. that session, like two years ago, we sat down, we had a whiteboard that was like, you know, super big that went all the way to the floor and we filled it all out. And suddenly it's like, why do we have six target personas? This is crazy. Yeah. It took us. Sorry. It took us. Yes. It took us, it took us a copywriter who tell, who told us, just you know keep it simple yeah i do remember also alicia from pixie stock who is you know an amazing woman we are subscribed to her services she has stock photos yeah and and amazing services for us entrepreneurs and she said just keep it simple yeah just keep it simple message. it was it was really really good um anyway ladies so you know talking about fear and all the women that we help you know you help women that don't have your skill set. We kind of help the women that are, you know, that have fear because they're moving to a new country and they have no idea what to do. So fear is big because fear can either make you run or make you stop. And, and you ladies, you were in your business careers for over 15 years. You had, you know, solid careers, big corporations, you know, you were set. And, you know, how, how was that transition of being from that very structured and very, you know, mandated corporate world to suddenly we decide what we do with our time? I think some of the um, practices still run with us today. And I guess the benefit of us having worked for the same organisation is that the acronyms we used to speak about and the practices culture. of just and culture, is still kind of rang true between Jackie and I. So sometimes I think we, you know, like we go off on a tangent and we could be just sitting back in our corporate desks in a way, but that's a nice synergy to have. Um, but I think what we're very good at, and this has probably come even more so from becoming mums, is multitasking and also being really um really uh, <laughs> selfish with our time when it comes to our work so yeah. we're friends outside of work um and you know 
we, we make a really conscious effort of ensuring that our friendship is also still really strong. Yeah. Um, but on days when we decide, like today, we're face-to-face with each other for, say, four hours, we have an agenda, we knock out all of the things we want to talk about, we try not to get distracted, you know, and we really kind of appreciate that this is our only time to get things done. So I think we've got a little bit of that discipline within us naturally mm-hmm. <laughs> and like jackie said we're both to-do lists we've always got pad and paper <laughs> God, i love it yes yeah. old school yeah. girls yeah. Old, here's yeah. our type of girls yeah, yeah. But I, I think sorry i just want to the other thing is i think um you know the beauty of this business and why we set it up as well is because we did have young children at the time who both neither none of them were in school so we wanted flexibility um you know our family positions were that we were the primary caregivers and still continue to be with our partners being um, the ones who work full-time outside of it. So it was it was more what would fit in around the work and life balance that we wanted to achieve. So whilst it's a juggle sometimes and there's peaks and troughs, at the end of the day, we still have a priority within our, our family. Mm-hmm. So we are, and that's, that actually plays into our business process as well. So, you know, you guys would know there's blurred lines between um, family and business and also Mm -hmm. your actual careers that we've got. But the beauty that we have being our own bosses is that we can have those blurred lines between family life and business because the business has to support the number one thing for us, which we're on the same page as our families. And the business is there to support that as opposed to when you have a boss, you kind of, they don't always want to put your family first necessarily are your own personal requirements so I think we're probably just mm. as productive if not more productive with what we do in our part-time hours than what we oh, would have done in a full-time job. I get so much work done I can't believe how much time we wasted when we were in corporate having copies of meetings. Oh, yeah. oh yes yes totally. Um, yeah. But to go back to your question about the fear um, I, I'd like to just touch on the fear about leaving corporate and mm-hmm. making that up because Helen and I were quite lucky that we'd actually made the leap out of corporate before we started this business. Mm-hmm. So that transition wasn't, we, were, we didn't leave our corporate, you know, highly paid corporate jobs to jump into this small business. And I think that jump is tricky and mm-hmm. difficult and we totally talked to clients all our clients basically are either side hustling and trying to make that jump. Yeah. Or there's that, you know, there's that sort of transition. Um, and I sort of understand that there's more fear attached, but if I put myself back in my corporate days, when I actually took the 12 months and went to South America, um, when I was in the corporate job, I couldn't fathom leaving. I'd been there for so long. I was, we were so ingrained. It was, we'd grown up with all of our co-workers. They were like, it was like an extension of my family and mm-hmm. um, I didn't have, you know, I, didn't, I hadn't started a family or anything then. So I was like, it was like a cult. I really was. And I, um, I had to get to a point where I kind of like burnt out that it, and it was that burnout that enabled me to take the 12-month sabbatical. Now, I didn't resign from my job. I just took 12 months of um, leave, leave. So, but I had to leave and have this mental space away from the mm-hmm. life that I had to enable me to then resign. Yeah. So that was a fear buster for me because mm-hmm. when I was in the job, I couldn't imagine life without it. I couldn't imagine what I could do. I didn't, couldn't see my skills outside of that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get you. Totally yeah. get you. Perspective is what helped myself personally overcome the fear, and I think Helen had the same thing when you jumped into yoga. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, probably for different reasons. I started to not feel aligned with some of the um, behaviours and activities mm. around that can go with a corporate environment. Just didn't sit well. I was on a journey with my yoga, I guess, that was probably mm-hmm. a little bit more spiritual, spiritual <laughs> than um, others. So, <laughs> yeah, there was, you know, there was other reasons. But certainly um, once I left, I recognised that yeah, all of the experience and all of the, um, you know, all of the, t- the, the roles that you do within that time enables you to then look at other opportunities that you can translate into as well. So... Regardless of what your career is, I think there's always things that you will translate and yeah. you have to take with your next Absolutely. business as well. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree with Jax that um, popping out of it you know, gives, you, gives you the clarity to be able to that, That's why I tell Ilya she can't go back to work because she's already, <laughs> like, she already's on a roll. I, I am with Jackie. I'm like, I have that fear. I'm like. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love everything I do both like here and in my office. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, if I leave that job, what am I going to do? It's going to be like, yeah. so yeah. I know I have that. And I, I am, I think on purpose and, and I love your experience because I want to plan something like taking off for like a month <laughs> in between before I decide to kind of leave. And I want to do it on purpose to kind of prepare myself for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, and even though I'm in a startup and there's no rigorous process, there's no bureaucracy. I have, Ilya knows this. Sometimes I don't have any time for peeing. Like I have to put it in the car. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> we are like, I'm running around. I am in, I know everything about starting up a business because of this experience. Yeah. I, because I come from a very, you know, comfortable corporate life. So I was in a big corporation, six years where I was just a number, you know how it is. I could work yeah. from home, nobody would notice, and I felt I had a scholarship. Exactly, that's how I felt. Uh-huh. And then I jumped into a first startup, and this is my second startup, and I think it's, it's giving me kind of that buzz and that excitement. Real skills, which is great, which we yes. didn't really get, I don't think, yes. so much. Yeah. yeah. So that's Amazing. super cool. So, you know... Yeah, Elia, ask, ask, ask Helen and Jackie about how they uh, juggle all this with motherhood. Exactly. <laughs> I see, you know, three kids, uh, if I'm not mistaken, two young, uh, one in daycare, one a preschooler, one another in school, just like us. We have, you know, one in, in senior kindergarten here and one just, you know, peacefully sleeping only from seven to 10 because then off afterwards keeps me awake. <laughs> so... We have also women that go through the same. Here's struggle. mine. Look at her sleeping. She's after <laughs> dance class. Oh my God. So you and you guys are runners because I see you guys. You know, <laughs> uh, and- <laughs> we're walkers and we don't run anymore. <laughs> <laughs> my two children don't really. My postpartum situation doesn't really permit running anymore. So Not we long. we have in the same in the same squad. We're mothers. We came yeah. to a professional life, and then we are trying to do something meaningful. Tell us how 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 does you know a date in these ladies, the two girls and a laptop, look like messy, uh, go with the flow, very start stopping, start stopping. There's no doubt that um, you know, like there's days when we really nail it, and then there's days when we don't. Um, the beauty, I guess, of having a partnership in business is that one can cover the other. So I, I definitely recognise 
for people who were sort of solo, that that can be probably one of the most challenging things. So similarly, if there's been times in our um, business journey where it's been lows or highs for either of us, we can kind of pump each other up or cover it. So that is one benefit that we've got. Um, our ideal client, Catherine, is very similar to us. So in most instances, we find that we're not in conflict with clients' requirements versus what our lifestyle is. So, you know, things that we run are definitely done in most cases between school hours just to manage the pickup. There's certainly times when it's outside of that and we just use the normal after-school care or mm-hmm. babysitting or whatever to, to, you know, our partners to try and help with that. Becky actually manages it extremely well, the two, because her partner is fly in, fly out. So, um, you know, there's, there's times where she just simply cannot be available in wow. the evening for instance, yeah. um, you know, and, and but that, again, we've set that as a bit of a value within our business. So that's just something that is meant for <laughs> us. If, if, if it doesn't work, then it's not going to necessarily work, um, you know. So we have rejected, not rejected, but we have declined a client who wanted to do something uh, out of hours and it just was not going to, it was going to be more challenging for us and we probably yeah. wouldn't have given them our best bet, you know. Yeah. We probably yeah. done it in year one because we wanted the revenue, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. It's a bit like that. I think a lot of service-based businesses yeah. like to say yes to everything in yeah. the first year and then over time you weigh it up and sometimes we haven't really had this but we have had clients who have had business that have been like, you know what, you're not my ideal client really in terms of maybe personality mm-hmm. clutch or business type. But, yeah, I think I would sort of say like we found that in the first year for us certainly and our clients, you can feel a little bit like the business is running you and mm-hmm. That's the first 12 months is when you're just putting in so much time and effort, particularly into marketing, to get the lead generation and to get the business pipeline going. But we've really, in year two, really started to run the business as opposed to business running us. So, you know, we, um, in terms of managing everything, we set our parameters and we really try not to bust outside of that mm-hmm. because that's when we start to burn out, get sick. Mm-hmm. Things fall over. So we it is a bit of a well-oiled machine on both of our parts in terms of, like, the day-to-day. We both need good sleep, Helen and I. Um, I've only yeah, got... Yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, my youngest has only really started sleeping through-ish sort of five nights a week. And I just even now I think, how did I cope before? <laughs> um, so, we're, and, you know, we just kind of, like, have to be up and out the door. Yeah, we look after ourselves. I think we exercise and try to eat well. The other thing I think is um, quite often I think people feel like if you work for yourself, there's going to be some level of of slacking off, which it couldn't be the opposite. In some ways I think we set deadlines and timelines for projects or for things that we're releasing within our business and, you know, like we almost are a lot more harsher on those timelines Mm -hmm. than what we're putting on our clients. But... You know, we had an incident probably about 12 months ago and um, we'd set a timeline for it and we got really inundated with clients. So great place, you know, great problem to have, but we were getting frustrated because we weren't committing to this particular marketing activity to get a new service out. And we just had to sit back and just say to each other, who is it going to hurt if we just delay this by a month? Like nobody. Nobody Nobody else knows it's out there. Nobody cares. We're really getting, you know, like, Really yeah, putting the stress on ourselves, and it's not, you know, like let's just take a step back. So, I think even if you work for yourself, or if you, you know, a lot of people work within mastermind groups, or they have sort of 
you know, accountability partners. It's really nice to just check in with them. And if you were to offer support to somebody else, I would just say, what can you put off? You know, like as opposed to what can you do more of? What can you actually take away from your business? Because I think we put so much pressure on trying to do it all Mm -hmm. in unrealistic timeframes and inevitably something will push out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You have a project. It happens all the time. And if you can take something away, I think you will do something better than what you would do if you keep putting more in. So I think just to close out that as well, um, what Helen and I did a lot of in year one that we don't do a lot of now is we used to listen to a lot of podcasts about women in business, probably like yours. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but particularly, we particularly focused in on the marketing podcasts, right? And they were great in the first year, but in the second year, they've actually made us sometimes they've been a little bit triggering because they actually make us feel a little bit anxious. So sometimes mm-hmm. like, listen to mm-hmm. one and they're like, you know, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. You should do. We know what we should be doing. Yeah, you know and, it. You know it very well. We listen to these things. It's like it actually just makes us emotionally not feel great. Yeah, and it can be a little triggering because we're maybe not doing some things. Mm-hmm. And so we've really, in the past twelve months, really stuck to our own lane. We're head down in, you know, we have Helen's coined this term comparisonitis. You know, we really try not to look at not even competitors, like people that are similar to us in different uh, different flavours. We even try not to, we try to support, but we even try not to necessarily look at those because you can really make yourself feel bad. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. Oh, the pressure Pressure yeah. putting yourself is usually worse than anything else. And, uh, yeah, we know that we've been there, both of us, um, one of us more than the other, but, yeah. Just a, just a question. Manage things is just support each other, stay in our own lane, keep our head focused on our own goals and prizes, not anyone else's. You mentioned something. You mentioned something and it was uh, about not having the great fit. When you guys started, did you guys say yes to every single gig or every single client that, that knocked on your door? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really attract anyone outside of our team, no. like mm. out of our client. Oh, in our first um, in our first month. You know, we did a lot and we talk about this a lot with our clients around, you know, you need to you need to be building your brand before you even launch. So we, we kind of pride ourselves on the fact that we did that quite well in that we were building and talking to our audience and creating an audience and then when we clicked the switch, we actually did have some leads ready to go and we overcommitted in our first month ridiculously. Mm. So that's when we were certainly juggling and we even yeah. at that point this can't go on because we physically couldn't be doing it. Like, yeah. Um, and not yeah. emotionally. Yeah. yeah. And it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't what we wanted to do. So um, we certainly did say yes well, to it. It's good lot. to learn that lesson early You have to go yeah. through that. Yeah, you got to live and learn, right? And, and that's part of the iterations. That's for sure. Awesome. Yes. So, you know, in all this, and you, you, you touched around, you know, the things and the, that you have done yourself, what you have advised your customers and all that. You know, all these small owners, maybe it's people who are blogging, people who have very, you know, moms are just starting their first business. What are, you know, what is that important piece that you give them when they're starting? As you said, you know, they they have that fear, they don't know where to do, they don't have the process. What is usually that first, you know, step that you ask them to take in the process that they work with you? 
Yeah, so um, most of the people that have a business idea have the idea off of something that they've seen a gap in the market mm -hmm. or they've had a personal experience. So the first thing that we really ask is what pain point is your product or service solving? Mm -hmm. what, what got you to this point that you've gone, right, I'm going to start a business selling beach tote bags or I'm going to start mm -hmm. this holistic health coaching business or whatever it is, like kind of what problem do you solve mm -hmm. and who have you built the, the product or service around? So obviously the ideal client. And really, you know, intimately understanding that semi-fictitious persona mm -hmm. um, is really key. And I think the other thing is really understanding the competitive landscape because, you know, like I mentioned before, social media management is a hugely saturated space and mm -hmm. there's more and more between all the time and they've certainly seemed to have social media management seems to have sort of got, gone off in sort of a few little different directions, certainly, mm -hmm. but... If you are entering quite a saturated market, A, you need to know that. And B, you need to know what you're going to, what your unique selling proposition is so that you're going to stand apart from the rest because you ultimately don't want to be competing on price, right? That's yeah. key. That's key. And I have, I have friends and also prospects and clients that get to that fine line between friend, uh, client that we don't know, you know, exactly where, where they are, but they're a struggle is that yeah. they don't know they feel like they're tapping into dark a uh, dark mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. they don't know where their ideal customers are so yeah. what are the mm -hmm. best tips what what how, what is key for us obviously besides creating your avatar and then but then people think like yes we're gonna create the avatar the ideal woman the ideal person the ideal guy the ideal everybody but who so what do we do with that mm-hmm well, um, you know, from our perspective, we put a lot of weight into customer profiling and um, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. You let it know. Um, we've got a download that everyone can use if they want to. Um, I know you mentioned you'll add it to the notes at the end. Um, but ideally, that is going to provide you with, you know, the demographics and those sorts of things are fine. You do need to understand how old, where, who. But the most value is the psychographics yeah. like Jackie mentioned around what are their pain points? What are the, um, you know, what, what is your product or service solving or what pleasure is it providing? Mm -hmm. And um, similarly, they, you're also going to understand who they're influenced by, how they make their purchasing decisions, um, where they are online. I mean, let's face it, in most instances, a business now does not need to have a digital presence. Um, and certainly a lot of our clients, all of our clients have an online presence at some point. And they need to be making sure that they're targeting the right person, but they're targeting in the right space. So I read a really interesting article actually the other day that I'm posting about, and it talked about at the moment there's a lot of hype about IGTV and everyone is jumping on the bandwagon now because they can see the benefit of the video and of the reach mm -hmm. and the algorithm now, you know, pushing that particular um, thing. But they were saying, but if you your product and service sells knitting needles to a 60 or 70 year old woman you don't need to jump on no, no they're not going to watch it they're there yeah and that's a really broad example right yes. but what they're basically saying is you, you still always need to come back to what your product or service is mm -hmm. who you're selling and where you're going to find them because yeah, yeah it, you know it's very easy and like jackie mentioned before there's so much information out there around podcasts in particular around marketing and about the latest and the greatest and we all feel like we need to catch up and 
You know, sitting on our Instagram for 20, 30 minutes doing nothing is not unusual now. We're all wasting time on it. But we're also sitting there thinking, I need to be doing this. But do you really? Do you really need to be doing an IGTV? Or would you be better off preparing for a YouTube video? Or would you be better off paying for somebody to manage mm-hmm. Pinterest? Because that's where, you know, your clients are yeah. looking at knitting examples. You know, so I think what comes out of that client profile that is of real value is understanding where they are, who they're influenced by, so that you can actually then speak to them in that way. Yeah, and also it also highlight what you potentially don't know about this semi-fictitious person because, <laughs> like, you're making them up. Yeah. But they also obviously exist usually off the back of either yourselves or somebody that you know. But if you don't know with hand on your heart where these people are spending time online or where they're spending time or how mm-hmm. they can um, content you need yeah. to go and find that out and there's lots of ways you can do that but it's also going to open up those gaps for you you know mm-hmm. so if you're going through and you're like well actually I don't really know what podcasts they listen to I don't really know what authors they listen to I don't really know where they're taking advice or I don't really know what else they're spending their money on you need to go and find that out yeah and be really sure about that those gaps need to be filled and we would just recommend, you know, something as simple as a poll in a closed, you know, Facebook group of some mm-hmm. sort of clients hanging out. It's probably the best way or physically asking people. Um, but, yeah, I think it's what you, it's really, the ideal client profile is really going to solidify. The, it's the backbone of everything you're doing, business yeah. itself, how you're going to generate revenue, how you're solving problems and how you're going to communicate what your brand is and what you're about. The second part to it, I think, (laughs) is from a digital perspective now, you know, there's a number of different times and touch points that a client or a customer needs to have with you before they will actually buy. And it could be over an extended period of time. You know, particularly for us, we've had clients that have been following us like yourself since day one, but may only just come on board with us now in year two, but they've been following us and they've been waiting for when it's right for them. so I think the, the more that you understand your client, the more you can better talk to them because let's face it, digitally now it's not all about the hard sell. It's actually about creating an engagement and an authentic relationship with somebody who is enough, you know, your yeah. feedback to start earlier to us is just so flattering and so lovely to hear that we've resonated with you and all that you've said. You, we basically can tick that box that we've... We understand you. You know, like yeah. you've, you've actually totally. done, we've Right. Yeah. So, um, you know what I mean? Like, so if that's now what is required to form a relationship with somebody, a potential customer. So you're not going to actually do that if you don't understand them. You know, exactly. like if you're just continually putting out content that is really unrelatable, then your ideal mm-hmm. client is going to actually hit you. So similarly, it's about finding them, but it's also about then starting to get engaged with them so that they will end up purchasing from you. Exactly. Exactly. And we talk and we talk in during our uh, unlocking LinkedIn course about that. We were uh, we are not marketers. We are not marketer experts. We can't. We have a you know engineering background, and through this experience in our journey uh, by having our little Venice, we'll learn along the way with our own bumps and mistakes. You know what these entrepreneurs are struggling with. And yeah, so we want yeah. to talk. So we want to talk. We want to um, uh, give you know the best uh, or ease their paths. 
So uh, in, that, in that sense, uh, it, it's something very meaningful. Now, there's no hard sales. There are no cold calls. It's just the art of social selling, right? Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you guys have gotten here. You, you know, you have established your brand. You've established the business. You're very successful. You have us on the other side of a planet following you and learning from you, which, you know, I'm pretty sure happens to many of, of other people that are following. What is next? What do you, where do you see two girls on a laptop evolving to? When are you coming to Canada to, you know, do an event with us? That's basically what we want to do. Oh, I love some Canada. Yeah, absolutely. In the love summer. Yeah. Um, so we've got so many friends that have been over in Canada in the past few weeks and posting all their photos. We'd love to get over <laughs> It's a really great question. Um, I think the natural progression of a business like ours, certainly, and it has been with a lot of the business buddies that we've got in our space, is that they move to a one-to-many model. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of something that we've kind of put a toe in the water with and we've toyed with. But Helen and I, ultimately, what sets us on fire and what excites us is really the one-to-one intensive. So for now, we're definitely going to stick with that intimate relationship. We sort of don't, I'll speak for both of us, but mm -hmm. I don't think we're really about to go and jump on the course bandwagon. <clears throat> so that's kind of one thing we do yeah. know at the moment. Um, I think long term, um, you know, we definitely have dreams of scale. And mm -hmm. like we sort of indicated in the start, the beauty of, I think, our experience and what I really love about our business is that we, we, you know, as much as we do get comparisonitis, <laughs> um, we do tend to stay in our own lane and we do recognise our journey is different to others. So at the moment for us in our family lives with our young children, we're really happy to continue at the current rate that we're at. But we also know that, you know, they will grow older, we will still, you know, be looking for more um, things to do with our time and certainly scale is probably, you know, where we'd like to see ourselves. Um, at the moment we work on the strategy and we get a lot of um, inquiries and um, people interested in us helping them with the execution. So it kind of makes sense for us to maybe move into more of an agency style arrangement where we get to do both. Um, yeah. Something that, you know, we'd like to investigate further. Um, definitely that will, you know, probably move into a name change at some stage. There won't be just the two girls and a laptop. We might be getting too old to be called girls soon. <laughs> never, never. Let's <laughs> talk, talk about age. Yeah. <laughs> like so many business planners do, we sort of started with the name Two Girls and a Laptop, which really suited us when we started. But, it, you know, we quickly sort of went, hmm, I don't know how to scale with this name. <laughs> My God, that's like listening to us. It's, it's so funny. We, we just went through that, and that's why the podcast has the name Hustle and Heels. Because, you know, our little Venice resonates with Ilian, with me and with anybody who was born in Venezuela. But people are kind of like, are you Italian? Uh, why Venice? Uh, I know. I kind of that when I first came across you. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Venice as in, yeah. But when you're, for you guys, are you sort of potentially could target, is it Spanish speakers or... So we, well, at the beginning, we really, actually this podcast, the first 26 episodes were in Spanish because we thought that the Spanish speaking community in Canada was going to be our main target. And we fastly learned that 
it was not, you know, it was not the message or the way to get to them and that we needed to open it up to a broader conversation of other immigrant women who, you know, who could not understand Spanish. So, you know, a lot of people are like, I love your, would love to listen to your podcast, but it's in Spanish. I can't understand a thing that you're saying. <laughs> exactly. So it was weird, but we decided to move it to English. And of course, now we have the ability to have interviews like you guys, because we're doing it in English. Um, it has opened us, you know, we've had Alicia, we've had, um, uh, Tosha. Yeah, Tosha, our other friend from Australia, Kelly. Um, we've had, I'm missing somebody, we've had like four or five, you know, interviews this year, thanks to the fact that we opened up to English. Lorraine. 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 It's, it's been interesting because even though many of our followers are Spanish speaking, the ability of us of having the messaging in English has, you know, kind of helped us. And like they're all speaking English as well, right? It's yeah, universal. but it's funny because yeah. when they when, when they come to work one on one with us, we talk in Spanish. So exactly. it's very interesting to see how that mindset kind of shifts. And I think that culturally, um, Latin Americans, when we move somewhere, you know, especially in an English speaking country, we kind of want to like start seeing or doing content in English, so people feel uh -huh. more attracted if I give you the message in English, but they feel more comfortable if they know you speak Spanish. It's kind of dual. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. So we, that's, that's the way we did it, but it's interesting enough that you guys are also thinking about, you know, the scale and the name. Um, let us know if you go to that side, because there's some interesting conversations we can have in terms of what we spoke before. Um, anyway, it was so great for us and an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us today. You have no idea what it means that we were, you know, for us to, we were able to get you guys. And really our next step is we would love to have, host you in Toronto and have you here and <laughs> yeah. develop some sort of a program to have you ladies in Canada. So we have to dream big, right? 2021, we're off to France next year. Yeah. Yes. I will be in Spain. I will be in Europe around June, July. So, you know, we're not going to be that far away. Middle point. We're on a holiday together to Barcelona. In oh, nice. Yeah. I love it. Was like 10 years ago. We went on a um, little European holiday together. Awesome. That <laughs> is so awesome. Yeah. So to resume, to just to get the whole two girls in a laptop nugget, the essence for all our audience, what is the key to have a successful, profitable, because not just the followers means that, that you're making yeah. a profit, a profitable business, your best advice, for your people, customer profiling, or business planning, or both, or one comes one after the other? Customer profile forms part of the business plan. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we certainly would advocate um, customer profiling, no doubt. I think, um, you know, having some rigor around <coughs> your business goals and even down to your financial goals. So that's something we do with all of our clients. And we, you know, advocate to do a sales forecast so that you can actually work out what the revenue is and what your operating expenses are to get you your bottom line. So I think you need to understand what you need to do to earn it. Um, I think for us, when we started to really um, focus on the revenue and we actually started to pay ourselves a wage very early in the piece, it wasn't big, but it was we had some small financial goals. So mine was to have a house cleaner. Um, Jackie's great goal. <laughs> great, great goal. That's key for every mother. 
So, um, but you know, it started small and then it got larger. And every time we've increased our wage, the business has come to pay mm. for it. Yeah, and there's been a it's been a shift, hasn't yeah. it? So I think that, but I also think the biggest piece of advice is to be patient. Um, we didn't talk about it before, but it is a long journey, and it's not something that will happen overnight. If it does, that's fantastic for you, but. Um, Quite often, the most of our clients that come to us come to us because they're feeling a little bit stuck and they're feeling a little bit um, like they've been running the hamster wheel and they're not seeing the results, um, but it's still very early in their journey and they're still forming those relationships with people. So don't expect the moment you turn a website on that people are going to necessarily come. It's going to take time. Yeah. And it will happen. Helen did a post yesterday, I think it was, and it was the day you plant the seed isn't the day you eat the fruit. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I remember that one, and it's totally true. First 12 months is, so, is like the hardest. Um, you just, I think everyone underestimates the amount of time and energy and money it yeah. takes on the marketing side of things, and we had two of us doing it. Yeah. And lot, most of our clients are solo, and, you know, that heartache of, like, doing all the work and not getting the sales. Um, so, yeah. I know that we've just given you like 20 things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah, we do it. have another article, which is the seven things we did before we hit go on the business. And I'd love to share the link with you because it fleshes be it out. And we'd actually recommend that any person that has a concept does the things, does those things before getting, like before registering business. And that's, you know, a lot. Touch, it touches on a lot of the things that we've just that's spoken about. great. Yes, please do yeah. so. But most importantly, besides, you know, sharing that link so we can share it out with our channels, how uh -huh. can our listeners find you, girls? Absolutely. So www.twogirlsinthelaptop.com is our website. .au. .au. <laughs> .au. Yeah. Yeah. Um, .au. Um, and then our Instagram handle is at twogirlsinthelaptop. It's the same for Facebook as well. Yeah. And the same as Pinterest. Um, we have a YouTube channel as well. We do. Um, yeah, all of the links are on our website. Yeah. But certainly on our website, they can go in and they can download that customer profiling template if it's something that they've never done and they want to have a little bit more of a go at. It's the free template there. So. And we have lots of other resources there as well that people can take a look at. If you're in startup mode, we have a startup checklist. And even though it's got the Australian like links to like our government sites, it, it's really transferable to to anywhere yeah. around. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, awesome. I know you guys also support uh, some government uh, funded grants. Uh, you yeah. also, you, you're always in that mood. So for any locals, what you should advise, you know, to go to a specific page of, of, um, of the government and they can actually start the process. How, how is that for, for, for the locals? <clears throat> different um, Australia has different states I think similar to Canada so there's actually different grants allocated to different states so mm -hmm. if you are in Australia and you're keen to learn if there's a, a grant in your state available probably just get in touch with us perfect um, just drop us a DM or something and we'll let you know what's going on awesome Thank you so much, ladies. It was so good to have you. I mean, go out and, you know, seize the day as you always do. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, go yes, we're going to bed. 
Um, so funny. I love this. It's so interesting. But yeah, no, thank you so much for joining us in the Heels podcast. Yes. I know. And I have to go and finish up the little one's lunch bag for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you know the story. But ladies, thank you so much. Enjoy the day. And I hope that this is the first of many times that we can actually meet and, you know, collaborate. Yeah. It was an honor. It was an honor. Thank you so much for accepting and for being in this space with us and with our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode and found value in the content and you enjoyed the format, please help us in reaching out to other women, entrepreneurs, and professionals so they can also receive this message and get value from what we want to tell them. Please give us your review on iTunes and give us your rating so more people can know about the Hustle and Heels podcast. Join our village for exclusive updates, tips, and news that we will get out for you every week. And remember, this is Hustle and Heels, the podcast of our little Venice, and we are Adriana Romero and Ilia Francis, and we will see you next Tuesday.